right, so in chapter 2, and what we just read there was basically the first chapter of the two here to begin the book of Revelation where you have Jesus addressing seven specific churches and highlighting basically the things that they have done good and the things that they have done bad. And over the past three and a half years, I've had the privilege to preach here and talk to different people and do different things that I did. And I was thinking about, you know, what I was going to preach for the last sermon that I did before we moved. And I had the idea, you know, most of the time when I've been here, the types of sermon that I preached is either something along the lines of talking about a certain type of doctrine or an exhortation or just doing things. I really haven't done that much of just like rebuking and things like that. And it's not because I have a problem with that, but it's just kind of weird for me who's just not the pastor of the church to be rebuking you all the time. That'd be a little off-putting, I think. I know if one of you stood up and just started going off on me and you're not the pastor, I'd feel a little weird about it, you know? So I just haven't really done that. Well, now all bets are off because, (laughs) you know... If someone has a problem, I'll be in Ohio in like a week, so it's kind of a mistake. Giving me, no. uh, tonight, I just wanted to go through, and you notice in some of these, obviously there's certain rebukes. You know, obviously the church where you've got uh, them dealing with Jezebel and the things that are, um, you know, just certain rebukes that Jesus gave. But there's also things that he pointed out that were really good. And, you know, obviously we're leaving, but that doesn't mean that we don't care about everybody here and we care about this church and the ministry. And I just want to point out a few things I notice about this place and specifically what makes this church special. And I want to just go through these different things and certain characteristics and certain overall spirits that I notice that I really want to encourage everybody to continue on. And so one of the things that you're noticing today in society is basically a big push to get away from denominational titles or removing the name Baptist from the sign or not being IFB as everybody else is and and things like that. And obviously this church is one of those that's not doing that. And I hope there's not any plans to change doing that anytime soon in the future. But as you look around, it's kind of, you know, it can feel when you look on social media and you see the different conversations people are having about turning away from the King James Bible or changing the way that they're doing things, it can be discouraging and think that, you know, we're alone on an island out here. You know, there's so many people that have just gotten so far away from these things. But the truth is, is that although it's becoming more and more rare by the day to find an independent fundamental Baptist church, there's still plenty of them out there, you know, and you can still look around. There's plenty of people that would hold to the same independent fundamental King James soul winning Baptist type of church, that everybody in the church would be unified around those things. And so I wouldn't really consider that something that makes this church special or unique, because in my mind, for something to be special or unique, it has to be different than a lot of other things, and in a good way. And so within the bracket of being a King James, independent, fundamental, soul-winning King James Baptist church, there are things that I think are very unique about this place. And I just want to take some time to point out three main attributes of this church that I think are very helpful that make this church stick out far above so many other places. And I don't just want to, you know, act like greatest church in the world, everybody else is beneath you. But, you know, there are great things that I think you all need to cling on to and just take note of and think about it. So go over to Acts chapter number 7. The first thing that I want to talk about 
One of the things that I really appreciate about this church is that y'all are firm doctrinally, but you're not stiff-necked. You're very firm on the doctrine that you believe, but you're not stiff-necked, and you're not hiding yourself from what the Bible says and locking yourself with a chain to a fence of a position. Acts chapter number 7, in verse number 51 says, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now of the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, this is a story that's all too familiar with Israel, not just in the New Testament, all throughout the Old Testament. He's testifying to them this whole entire story about all the prophets that they killed, all the prophets that their fathers killed. They just got done crucifying the Son of God, and then they go on afterwards to kill Stephen and many of the other disciples beyond that point. And I think that one of the biggest reasons for this was that they were just a stiff-necked, hard-and-heart people. And it's very easy to become that way when you are hardcore, you know, as people around here might be. And, you know, it's easy to get really hardcore with doctrinal positions But it's important that in your zeal for God, you don't become stiff-necked to actually looking in the Bible and seeing what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 1 says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. You know, the Jews of Jesus' day are a perfect example of this verse taking place. You know, you have a group of people who have the Son of God come down to them, into their face, and look them in the eye, and they reject him. They reject all of his disciples to the point where even when you see him crucified and you see the veil of the temple rent, that all these people are just like, yeah, this is the son of God. And they still go on as a nation to continue to kill the disciples, and they don't repent. It was clear and obvious and evident through the scriptures that Jesus was the son of God, that they had hardened their necks so hard Because they had an idea in their mind of what the Son of God was going to be when he came, what the Messiah was going to be. They hardened themselves so much that when it actually came and it was different than what they expected, they wouldn't accept him, even though he clearly proved it. And then they, as a nation, 40 years later after he was crucified, was completely wiped out, no stone left upon another, and is gone. And the Jews that are in Israel today are nothing even close. And they're not related to them in any way. They're nothing. Those people and that nation and their descendants literally don't exist today. I think that the whole debate about, you know, who's Israel or maybe those people are direct descendants. Listen, there are no direct descendants. That whole nation is dead. They all died back then. I mean, everybody. And so obviously you might have had people that got saved and got out of there and then they still have some of that bloodline left. 
But in terms of the actual nation of Israel, there's no descendants. They all got wiped out in 70 A.D., and if there were any stragglers left behind, they all got wiped out a few, like 30 or 40 years later with another war. So, you know, these people were completely destroyed. And one thing that you'll notice, and when I, when I made the point, this church is firm doctrinally, but they're not stiff-necked, is that we don't sit around here when it comes to certain doctrinal positions that we might hold and get all wishy-washy and pretend like we don't believe anything. We all know what we believe. And the thing is, we're all unified in what we believe, too. You know, if we would go around and we would talk about a certain doctrine, like, you know, I was just talking about the Jews, you know, and we go around this church, we're unified on that issue, <laughs> you know. Or if I was going to talk about, you know, uh, the doctrine of salvation or, you know, end times Bible prophecy or any, any of these different things that people like to argue about and talk about today, we're unified on all these things. But if something were ever to come up in discussion – where somebody's reading along through the Bible and they see something and think, this might contradict what we believe a little bit. You know what is very likely going to happen and something that I've just noticed happened multiple times is that as soon as Sunday morning's over, we'll go over and we eat lunch and we'll sit for five hours with our Bibles open and talk about that doctrine. Show me one other church in this entire country that will do that. That, you know, we'll just have a discussion about something or have a question about what people believe and then we'll actually all sit down with our Bibles open and have a conversation about it. You know, most other churches of our, you know, flavor, if you start having a question about what doctrine is or something like that, you're just exiled, you know, or you will be rebuked. You certainly won't be met with an open Bible to talk about what it says, but that's a unique quality of this church that I think is great. You know, on the other side of that spectrum, you've got the more liberal crowd where they basically – they have an awareness of like every single doctrinal position and they're accepting of every single doctrinal position, but they won't claim any of them. You know, it's like they all go to their seminaries and they basically learn in class about Calvinism, Arminianism, whatever we are somewhere in the middle of that. And they will hear them all. They'll know what they say. And it's like, OK, well, what do you believe? Well, you know, I can see what different people think. I don't think we should divide over these types of – they'll never just say what they believe. You know, here we have the ability to have a firm belief that, hey, Calvinism is bad. But we can actually open the Bible and have a discussion and talk about why Calvinism is bad, what is bad. And we can talk to them through Romans chapter 9 and things like that and are not afraid to open up a Bible. That's a unique quality, all right? And I'm not saying that these are things that are just unique to only this church. There's no other church in the world. But the ability to have firm doctrinal positions and actually talk about them and actually not get so mad at each other that we're screaming at each other and throwing people out of the church, that's rare. You know, people get very upset and very fragile when it comes to talking about things that we believe about the Bible because it's a humbling experience to actually admit that you're wrong. You know, it's hard, especially when you've said something for so long, especially, you know, as you've been saved for a longer period of time. It becomes that much harder when you've got a decade worth of you believing one way to then change your mind on that. But people have demonstrated here that they can do that because the Bible is actually the center of the authority here. It's not a certain camp. It's not a certain position. It's not anything. And that is a great quality that is not you know, found everywhere you go, unfortunately. The second thing that I think is important, I mentioned that this is a King James independent fundamental soul-winning Baptist church. Here, 
Soul winning isn't something that's just talked about. It's something that actually happens, you know. In a lot of different places, you'll have soul winning ministries where they can tell stories about soul winning that they did 20 years ago, or they can tell you stories about the thousands of tracts that they've distributed or uh, different missionaries that they support and things like that. But it's great that in this church, there's actually a map of this local area and we can take a pen or we can go onto Google Maps or however we're tracking it and mark off actual streets where we actually knock on the doors. And, you know, the thing is, in this area, I'm encouraged that every door will get an opportunity to at least get knocked on, at least get an invitation. And the thing is, we just had a guy in this area that we didn't even get to talk to him. And he just got baptized a couple Sundays ago from a track left on his door. You know, that kind of stuff isn't going to happen if we're all just hanging out with our legs kicked up, relaxing. You know, it actually takes work. And it's easy to get discouraged and think that things don't matter. And especially I was just kind of looking at the board and thinking about different things that we've done over the years, excuse me, and looking at the different soul winning numbers and things like that. And last year we spent a lot of times on Saturdays rather than going to like larger areas, going and just knocking out a bunch of different small towns and stuff. And so you can look back at the numbers back there and it's like we really dropped off. But the thing is, we didn't stop soul winning. We just went to less receptive areas. But you know what? We're fulfilling the Great Commission by doing that type of thing. And it's a blessing to know that it's not just Sterling and Rock Falls and Dixon that get the doors knocked, but it's also places like, where was that place that we went like for a month and a half and like no one got saved? Is Yeah, we went to Mount Moore. I, I remember like the last time we went out there, just tired of this place. <laughs> you know, it's like, here we go again, and it's like we get in the car, and no one got saved. But you know what? All the doors got knocked, and everybody got a chance. And, you know, it's nice to know that a small town in this area, at some point, it's going to get the door knocked, you know. And you know that because this church is here and because people are here that participate. It's not something that only the pastor does, you know. It's something that the whole entire church is doing. You know, a lot of churches, I think, pastors would really like it if – all the church would go out soul winning. It's something they have a desire to do, but they don't even have the resources to do it. And by resources, I mean people that are actually capable of opening up a Bible and showing somebody from the Bible how to go to heaven for sure. You know, they have saved people in the church. They're aware of it, but how many of them have the Romans road memorized? How many of them are capable and bold enough to knock on somebody's door and actually talk to them about how to get to heaven? You know, this church, I could look all around the room, but I've went soul winning with basically every single person in here in terms of the guys and we've all knocked doors i've listened to you guys preach the gospel you've listened to me preach the gospel we all know that we're capable of it and we all can hold each other accountable and do it you know and it's a blessing to know that the stones aren't left unturned out here and that people are actually doing it and it's something that people do and you know obviously we all know about soul winning so that's not a thing that i want to spend a ton of time on but this last one, I wasn't really sure exactly how I was going to phrase it. Because one of the things that I think is definitely unique about this church is the music program that we have around here. And I was wanting to say something along the lines of that, but to be honest with you, I don't really have that much to say about music because I don't even know what to really say <laughs> about it. You know, keep on doing what you're doing. But, you know, that doesn't make for much of it. But I was just kind of thinking about it. And when it comes to music, I think it's actually just a subcategory of a bigger quality. And that is participation regardless of interest. 
you know, and there is just a quality about this place that when somebody stands up and says that they're going to do something, that people in the church just participate whether or not they intended on doing it or not. And I can tell you right now, when I moved out here, I definitely didn't think that I would use my high school percussion skills in an orchestra in this church. But Brother Daniel stepped up and was leading the orchestra, and I jokingly one day was like, yeah, get a glockenspiel or something. And then there it was, you know. And I was playing, and then we have the, the choir as well. And it's so interesting to me to just look. And, you know, it's like, you can be honest. You know, is there anybody in here that's, like, in choir? You have no musical background, but you're just like, sure, whatever, there's a choir. You know, anybody like that? Yeah, I mean, it's just everybody's doing it. We're all in here. I mean, especially if you're staying all day, and there's choir going on, and people are just like, yeah, I'll participate in the choir. That's a great quality. You know how bad pastors around this country wish that they had a congregation full of people that would just participate in things, even if they didn't like it, just to support the church and support the ministry. That is an amazing quality, and I think ultimately that's the best quality of this place. And I was just thinking, you know, it isn't just music that people participate in, but go over to Philippians chapter number 2. You know, there are so many different things. And even with the category of music, it's not just the adults. You know, kids participate in music. And we've got, you know, the privilege of being able to have kids trained at a young age and learn all these things. But, you know, just about a month ago, I was able to record some of the younger girls that were playing the harp. And, you know, it's just cool to see young kids playing an instrument that I think is, like, crazy hard, <laughs> you know. But they're just learning how to do it, and they're playing the right notes, and they're doing a good job. You've got, you know, these younger children that are playing the violins. That's a real blessing, you know, and it's actually work. And, you know, that doesn't just come overnight accidentally. That's parents driving kids to music lessons. That's kids practicing at home. That's parents being involved in what their kids are doing. And that is just participation. And you know what? You might be a parent that just doesn't really care that much about music. But you're able to look and see, hey, this church values music. This church actually cares about it. This church is working on something, and you're just getting involved. You know, maybe you don't have, you're, you're tone deaf, you don't know anything about music, but you'll just let your kids go get trained and let them do it. That's great. You know, I think that's an amazing quality. In Philippians chapter number 2, in verse number 1, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So this is a very mature and a very Christ-like thing to look on the things of others, to think about the things of others, and put them before yourself. And I was just thinking, you know, it isn't just music. For example, how many people are really excited about the big cleaning day this Saturday? <laughs> you know, I'm coincidentally leaving exactly at, I think, 10 o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> you know, but, you know, you're not that excited about it. And, if, you know, I don't feel that bad about leaving because we did clean the church for like a year and a half. And so I think that I've done my share of time in terms of doing that. 
I'm not, I don't feel that guilty about leaving this week, and I, we are. But, um, you know, that's not fun. I don't, I, honestly, I don't think anybody is sitting here looking at it like, that's what you want to do with your Saturday. But you know what? People are going to come and do it anyways. Why? Because this is what the church is doing. That's the program that's going on that day. That's the thing that everybody's working towards. And then you're doing that. And so it's not this thing where it's like, there's the fun bowling day and soul winning in Peoria. There's the cleaning, you know, and hopefully you're not sitting there like this is an either or situation. You just pick the one that's fun. It's just both. Whatever's going on on Saturday, that's what we're doing. You know, it's like they're soul winning on Saturday. All right, we'll be there. Are we going to, you know, a receptive area like the Quad Cities or are we going to Mount Morris? You know, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's just this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing as a church. And there's people out there that need the gospel getting to them. And so regardless of our idea, regardless of what we would like to do, it's a great thing to take that time and put it aside. You know, how about just different building projects that people have done? And when you look at all the different help, like all the work that, you know, Brother Jason and Brother Mark have been doing lately, it's nice in this auditorium now. We've got like all the same color lights and they're not just going out all the time and they're not buzzing. That's a great thing to do. You know, is it convenient to come in extra times and put these things up or convenient to do any of that? Well, I don't know. Probably not. I, it didn't really look like fun to me, but they're doing it and it's a blessing. Praise the Lord for it. You know, it's a great thing to be able to think about different talents that you have and use them for the church and use them for the Lord. And there are people all over this country, pastors all over this country that are discouraged. And it would be such a blessing for them if they could have a congregation like this for just one week to just go out soul winning, go knock on doors, Go show these bumps on a log in congregations all over the world how to get up and just do something every once in a while, you know? And it's encouraging. You know, we look, when you look at the announcements in the bulletin over the next few weeks, it's clogged up. You know, there's a lot of different stuff going on. It's a busy time of year. We're getting close to the Easter time. It can be a grind, especially with things in music or with things that are soul winning. This is a great time of year where more people are receptive to the gospel because it's just that time when everybody goes to church on Easter Sunday. But... You know, you all are willing to do it, and you'll see a lot of souls saved. And I really hope that the Peoria trip turns out great and that a lot of people end up getting saved there because now is a great time of year to do it. And I hope that the weather's good that day and that you're not just sitting there and you're only going for the pizza and the bowling. You know, go for the souls. Do it because this is what the church is doing and be on the program there. You know, another thing that I really appreciate is, you know, for two years we were doing work trying to go out in Chicago, get something started there, and honestly, at the end of the day, it just didn't really work out. But, you know, I can't express how much I appreciate people in this church who are driving two hours out there to go soul winning and then two hours back on a Saturday. I mean, literally, especially when you go out there and you're spending like four hours soul winning in these rough areas. Did anybody have fun, (laughs) you know? When there's like a drive-by shooting, <laughs> one of the times that we went out there, or you know we're dealing with like the, you know the Giordanos that we went, to, it wasn't Giordanos, it was Lou Manatis that one time when they're all hounding us about the masks and all the different stuff there. Listen, it wasn't fun, you know, and there definitely were fun times to it, but y'all just did it because that's the spirit and it's participation, and it was you all seeing me saying that I wanted to do something and just coming to do it anyways, regardless of whether you like it or not. You know, that means a lot. It meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to my family. And I see you guys doing that with anything. And, you know, if you're sitting in here and you're like, I'd really like to start some kind of ministry, 
you will have participants. You know, if you have a desire to, you know, get the van running and go picking people up, like has been talked about a couple times, if you have a real desire to do that, I promise you, people will come. Because that's the style and that's the ministry of this church. That's the example that everyone sets to each other. You know, this morning we were talking about, uh, Pastor Murtry was talking about in the sermon about going to work and seeing the different hard workers there and seeing the ones that, you know, really just inspire you to pick it up. This church is full of hard workers. This church is full of people that Sunday isn't a day off for them. Sunday might be the busiest day of the week. And where you're willing to come here and start before 10 o'clock in the morning to have some fellowship time before Sunday school and not go home until like 7 o'clock at night after the evening service is done. That is almost a 12-hour day at this church. That can be a lot sometimes. But y'all are willing to do it anyways, just to be on board and with the program of this church. And I'm telling you, that is one of the most unique qualities that you could possibly have, and it's such a blessing to this congregation, and you have no idea how much other pastors all over this country would kill to have something like this. And keep it and take it and don't stop that. You know, the participation, the putting others before yourself and just willing to do these things, it's a rare thing and it's a good quality. And, you know, in Revelation chapter 2 where we started, there's all kinds of bad qualities and there's all kinds of things where you get threatened to, you know, where Jesus is threatening to remove the candlesticks of these places and all these other things. And it's very easy to slip away into these things. But where we are finishing off here in Philippians chapter number two, and let's just continue reading where we left off in Philippians chapter number two in verse number five. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, ultimately, when we're talking about the idea of what makes this church special, what makes this church unique, ultimately, the things that I've been talking about, this last phrase here, I don't want you all to go home and get a warm, fuzzy feeling that your flesh is really special. It's the spirit of Christ in this place. And it's the spirit-filled lives around here. It's the desire to wake up in the morning and start it off with the Bible, start it off with prayer. And we've got a congregation full of people that goes home and reads their Bible. Amen? We're all reading our Bible at home, and we're thinking about the things of God throughout the week. We might be listening to different preaching or thinking about the things of God, not just on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, but all throughout the week. And that is a unique thing. And having all these things, but it's not just that each and every person here is just a warm, special, amazing person. It's the Spirit of God inside of you. And that can very quickly change. And that can very quickly be taken away. And so don't think that I'm just up here and I'm telling you all about how amazing you are and how special you are. I really do believe that in my heart, but that could very quickly change tomorrow if you just decide 
that you don't care about the things of God anymore or that you don't care about the Bible. And if you, you know, the thing, I mean, these would be so easy. It would be so easy to become one of these churches that considers themselves an independent fundamental King James soul-winning Baptist church that just doesn't go soul-winning. It would be so easy to do that. And it's especially in Illinois, when you think about it, in this town, after a while, you are walking through and you're knocking a lot of the same houses over and over again. Or, you know, just because this is just where we are. It's a smaller town. And it can get tiring knocking on the same doors or maybe seeing the same faces after a while. But you know what? This is where this church is and this is the people that God has given us to reach. We should continue to knock on these doors. It would be easy to think, well, we've already knocked all of Sterling one time. We already knocked all of Dixon one time or any of these other places. Yeah, but, you know, people move and different houses move. You know, people move to this area that might have never been here before. People move away. I mean, we were just talking about the woman that got saved in Rochelle, uh, got saved in Dixon, and we just talked to her in Rochelle. You know, somebody's living where she used to live. we got to make sure we talk to that person, too. You know, every single person should have an opportunity. You know what I mean? And so don't feel like when you're knocking the same street that you knocked last year that you're talking to the same people. You know, people move all the time, you know, like me. You know, I hope someone goes to my house and talks to the people that moved in sometime. You know, but ultimately, it'd be really easy to just become one of these churches that just talks about soul winning but doesn't actually do it. It would be really easy if someone starts a new ministry to just not participate. And then just all of a sudden, all these good qualities that we're talking about, we just don't have them anymore. And ultimately, all these qualities, the one that, you know, doesn't get a stiff-necked position on doctrine. You know how easy it is to get stiff-necked on doctrine? You know what I think the biggest symptom of it is? Is just not reading the Bible and not caring about the things of God. You know, because if, honestly, if you're reading through the Bible on a regular basis and you're deeply thinking about what it actually says, not just reading it to check off a box that you read this many chapters today or whatever, I find it really hard to believe how you can be really stiff-necked when it comes to doctrinal positions. Or that you're just so hard that you can't ever discuss anything with someone about doctrine. Because if you're really reading it and you're renewing your mind every day, how are you so stiff-necked in the first place? That doesn't even make sense. You know, and so do you all want to get really stiff-necked? Stop reading your Bible. Do you want to stop participating? Take it easy. You know, do you want to stop going soul winning? Same thing. Just take it easy. Or do you want the music program to all cease and just stop doing it, you know? But I don't think anybody wants any of those things. And if you do want those things, why are you even coming to church here, you know? Because at the end of the day, all these different things that I've talked about and more that I haven't even gotten to is all qualities that make this church great. And they're all qualities that this church has valued as a high priority. And so even if you might not have that much of an interest in them, do it anyways. Participate in it anyways. And if you feel that there is a need that's not being fulfilled. If you want to see the van driving around on Sunday morning, I promise you, you can get the keys and go do it, you know? And I promise you that somebody will participate with you. You just ask them, you know? I, I guarantee that'll happen. Because I watched so many people take a trip, four hours worth of driving on a Saturday to spend four hours in really rough neighborhoods talking to really rough people in Chicago, just because I asked you all to do it. And I don't think that that's even close to just asking somebody to drive around for maybe 30 minutes in the morning, picking up a couple of older people that might want to come to church that don't really have a ride. And these are just things. You know, if you see a need somewhere else, you know, how many people would have thought, you know, I remember when I first got out here, we were just in the old building. And it was just, I mean, not everybody that's here now, but a lot of people here. And we just had the two pianos. And that was it. 
And then all of a sudden one day, now there's all these, I mean, like half the church is the orchestra's ear, you know? And it's because of people participating. You know, it's not one person that does that. It's one person that leads it. And then, you know, like dozens of people that follow. And then dozens of people who are capable of playing music, you know? I remember first coming, it's like the only type of extra special we would ever have in church was just a piano special. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with piano specials. I like listening to them, but it's also cool to see different instruments play every once in a while and different people sing every once in a while and the kids' choir and the adult choir. And it's really nice to see that. It's nice to have a different accompaniment in the service of the whole orchestra playing rather than just one piano. It's nice to hear a fuller auditorium, you know, that is all singing and lifting up their voices. You know, other churches... It's really awkward because I've, I've song-led in a lot of different churches and, you know, like the faces some of you are making now, it's tired, it's been a long day. That's what people are doing during the song service, <laughs> you know. And it's just, I'm up here trying to be as joyful as I can. and do. That's one of the most awkward interactions that I've had in church, and, you know, where it's just one guy that you make eye contact with him as a song leader. He's just sitting in there just giving a real dirty look right at you, not singing. And I can't not look back. And it's just over and over again. I'm trying to influence the congregation to lift their voices to the Lord. And there's this one guy just sucking it out of me. Don't be that guy. Sing. <laughs> you know? When we're all singing, we should be praising the Lord, not giving dirty looks at the song leader for whatever reason. And I don't think the guy, I don't think people do that and they have a problem, but I think they're just not paying attention. Participate. You know? When, we're, when it's congregational time to sing, it's time to sing. You know? When it's time to go soul winning, it's time to go soul winning. When it's time for orchestra practice or choir practice or any one of these other things, that's what time it is. And if you don't think you got the ability to participate in those things, then that's fine. But just stay busy. Stay working on something because the easiest way to lose every one of these qualities is just to quit working. And if you feel like you're ever at a point where you don't have anything to do, I promise you Pastor Lamertry or somebody else can have an idea for you, and you could be a real blessing to this church in some way. And so, you know, I'm going to wrap it up a little bit early here, but I just want to say thank you guys. You know, it's been a real blessing serving here and really a privilege to do all the different things that I did. I'm thankful for the time that I got to be a staff member here and just seeing our family grow. I'm really thankful for all that, and I hope that we're not gone forever and we come back and visit sometime. But thank you all so much for everything you've done. Let's close in a word of prayer. So, Father, I thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. I thank you for this time that we've had here. I thank you for this church, Lord, the spirit that they have, the different work that's been done. I greatly appreciate it, Lord, and I pray that your spirit would stay on this place, Lord, that you'd bless them, and that they would be able to continue in all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.